Brother Ben started our series last week on the 23rd Psalm, The Lord is My Shepherd. And each week we're going to be talking about a different aspect of the 23rd Psalm. And many of you have read through and you've heard and maybe you've discussed or thought about the 23rd Psalm. Today we're going to be looking at the aspect of how God is our provision, where it says that, you know, I shall not want. And then what does he do? He leads me into green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. We're going to be talking about that this morning. And then next week, we're going to be talking about how it says he restores my soul. So we're going to be talking about restoration, how God restores us. The next week, Remember, it says, I will fear no evil. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So we're going to be talking about being delivered from fear. And then the next week, how God delivers us from our enemies. We're going to talk about being delivered from the enemy. We're going to be talking about how we can cover our homes and our families from the enemy and how we can plead the blood of Jesus and we can break generational curses and be delivered from the enemy. We don't have to fear the enemy. That just will happen to be the day before Halloween, October 30th. And then the last where it talks about surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Then we're going to talk about, conclude the series We're going to talk about how to live and stay in the presence of God. So it's going to be a great series. I'm excited about it. I believe God wants to speak to our hearts about each of these areas. Today, we're going to talk about Him being our provision. And I just want to say a word just about the 23rd Psalms in general. Because when you read it, it really describes the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. He wants to have an amazing relationship with you. That has always been God's heart. He loves, He wants to have a relationship with you, but it seems as though the enemy does everything he can to break down those relationships. I never will forget a a letter I got last year. I got it from a young man who started down at our church and his family brought him and his brothers and sisters, I I, I think at least for 10 years. But then about 20 years ago, they left, just up and left. And they were actually pretty involved in the church. And that young man came back 20 years later And after he had attended maybe one or two services, he wrote me this letter. And he said, I finally realize why my mom and daddy up and left the church. He said, I recognize because I had dealt with that 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 morning. He said, whenever they're confronted with truth, they up and leave. Every time... Truth begins to step on your toes. They have to leave that church and find another place where maybe they're not quite as convicted. 
And what really broke my heart was how this young man recognized how it had devastated not only him and his brothers and sisters. And I thought how many times that scenario has been replayed. Parents not wanting to confront truth in their life. And so they're always moving. They're always running. They're always leaving church. And you see, church is one of the greatest places for us to learn about relationships. And it's all about relationships. It's about our relationship with our loving Heavenly Father, and it's about our relationship with one another. And when we learn about those relationships between one another and between us and God, then we can be a light to the world. But if we don't handle this area, and we can't handle our relationship with God, then we're not much of a witness or a light to the world. That's why it's so important. That we understand everything God has to say about relationships. Everything He wants us to understand about relationships. From the 23rd Psalm. And, and last week, Brother Ben shared how that it's all about He's a good shepherd. And He is a good shepherd. That established everything that follows is a result of us being in a sheep-shepherd relationship with the Good Shepherd. If we understand that He is the Good Shepherd, and we understand that we are the sheep, then we can enjoy all the benefits and blessings that we're going to be talking about both today and for the rest of this series. So I want to encourage you, open your hearts. And simply say, Lord, help me to understand what you want to say. And if you struggle in relationships, and if you struggle in your relationship with God, I encourage you to open your heart because God wants to speak to us. I want us to look at the whole 23rd Psalm. We're going to read the whole thing. Start out, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. That's the verse we're going to talk about today. Verse 3, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table Before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. And all the days of my life, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Everything about that is God speaking to his people about the kind of relationship that he wants to have with you. And right after he declares the relationship is that he is your shepherd, he is your good shepherd, the next statement that he makes is, I shall not want. Well, let's talk about that. I shall not want. What does that mean? I shall not want. Actually, 
It is God's way of telling us that when He is our good shepherd, He will work in our life so that He will be our provision. He is our provision. He is the one who provides for us. But I've learned something about even talking about the whole area of provision. And, and this has been a problem in the body of Christ. And that is, there are some dangers when you start talking about provision. And these dangers have been here for a long time. One of the dangers is what I call the prosperity teaching. Where they might take this statement here, I shall not want. And some of the translation says, there is no lack in my life. There's never a lack in my life. They'll take that statement and they'll begin to talk about how that everything is about money. And how everything is about God wants to bless you and God wants you to have everything you want. And You know, there, are, there is a truth to the fact that God loves to bless His people. But I want you to understand, the gospel is not based around money or God blessing you. He wants to save you and redeem you from your sin. God's most important idea, understanding, focus is not how much money you have or what you drive. God's heart is that you would be redeemed from your sin and that you would have an amazing relationship with Him. And one of the tragedies, you know, it's amazing when we go to, we've been going to Africa every other year doing pastors' conferences, uh, marriage conferences. When we got there the last time, one of the things that shocked me was that that whole idea of prosperity was seeping into the Kenyan church. And I was just wanting to go, oh, I cannot believe this. They were focused on that. They were thinking about that. And they would begin to talk about what kind of car they think they should drive because they're a Christian. Or what kind of house they think they should have because they're a Christian. And all of a sudden, the, the monetary status of their life was the determination of their spirituality. I wanted to say, no, no, no. Don't listen to America when they say those things. Because it's not the balance of the gospel. Sure, there's a truth that God loves to bless his people. So there is a danger. There's also the danger of passivity, and that is, God's going to take care of me, so I'm not going to work. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You figure that out, huh? If you don't work, the Bible also says, you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> uh, you want to know God's welfare plan, that's pretty simple. You don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> so there, there, there's a balance to everything. But the truth of it is, He is our provider. And when we have a relationship with Him as our shepherd, and we are sheep, we can say, I'm not going to fret, I'm not going to worry. Why? Because I shall not want. That, to me, speaks of contentment. Contentment. And there is great peace in contentment. Contentment is an attitude of the heart that says God is always working on my benefit. God is always working in my life and He will take care of me 
And you know, Paul said it in, in the book of Philippians. He said, I've learned to be content in whatever state I am, whether things are abounding or where there's very little, I've learned to be content. And that's why I've always said contentment is a learned condition. It's not somebody, somebody lays hands on you and says, I speak contentment in your mind. No, it doesn't happen that way. I learn that and I choose that and I make a decision. I'm going to be content. When there's plenty of money, I'm going to be content. When there's not plenty of money, I'm going to be content. Why? Because I know God is always going to take care of me. And there is also the responsibility we have to be a good steward. You know, if you've, if you've been around for a while, this church, you know I've been talking about and speaking about for the last two, three, four, five years. I've been trying to say difficult times are coming for our nation, for our country, for our city, for our area. And we need to learn to be good stewards with all that God has blessed us with. And if we are not good stewards, we're going to get ourselves in a difficult area. You know, Jesus talked about that. I want you to look at this parable. He talked about it in Luke chapter 12. He goes from verse 42 down to verse 48. Notice what Jesus said. He said, and the Lord replied. He's teaching his disciples now. He says, and the Lord replied, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. And I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant thinks my master won't be back for a while and he begins beating the other servants, parting and getting drunk? The master will return unannounced and unexpected and he'll cut the servant in pieces. I know that's a little harsh there. Uh, Cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. And a servant who knows what his master wants but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions, will be severely punished. Key verse, verse 48. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even much more will be required. This is only one passage. He taught the passage of the sower and the seed. So many passages, so many different parables. And the bottom line is he expects us to be a good steward. When he blesses you, your time, your talents, your resources, everything God puts in your hand, he calls you to be a good steward of whatever he blesses you with. And so it is our responsibility. And I, I think I can say with a good heart, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Say that with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is a statement of confidence in God. It is a statement of contentment in His ability But it is also a statement that reflects that we are to be good stewards. You see, God is not obligated to bail you out when you refuse to be a good steward 
of what he blesses you with. I didn't get any amens there, so I'm, I'm going to say it just one more time, give you one more chance, because I know that was such a blessing. God is not obligated to bail you out when you choose to refuse to be a good steward of everything God has blessed you with. And it's the truth. It is a truth that we have to accept. It's a truth that we have to get a hold of. And that is, now, good news, he's full of mercy and grace. (laughs) Even when we mess up, even when we make this bad decision, he blesses us. He does. It's amazing. And, you know, your parents probably blessed you and were nice to you and gave you grace and mercy sometimes when you didn't deserve it. And our God does that too. But you start to presume upon God's grace when you keep being a bad steward of what God has blessed you with and think that's always going to continue. You know, you go out there and you charge up your credit cards to the maximum and then you say, I'm believing God to help me pay for my credit cards. You know, it might have been smart if you not to charge them up. That would have been a better decision At the beginning rather than at the end. I shall not want. That is a hard attitude of contentment. That says my God is always going to take care of me. And if he's your shepherd. And you're a sheep. Everybody understand you're sheep. And you all do that for me. Come on now. That's pretty good. Sound like a bunch of sheep. What's the next part? The next part is after he says, I shall know one. He says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. It's kind of interesting. I'm I'm choosing to use this translation, the New King James Version. I, I just like the way it says it in this. And it has so much meat to it. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Well, first of all, what are green pastures? Well, that's some place where you can be fed and there's food to be had. Would you agree with that? Somebody want to say, well, no, he didn't want you to eat there. He just wants you to lie down. Now, come on now. He's not going to lead you to a green pasture and not expect you to eat. I believe the picture there is that God leads all of his people to a place where they can be nourished and be fed. And I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. I believe God puts us in a good place where we can understand, learn, and receive the word of God. You know, you might wonder, why did we name our church Living Word Church? 38 years ago when we were thinking about the idea of starting a church. There were just just a few families just thinking about the idea. People had, you know, three or four families said, we'd like for you to come and start a church. And we made the decision we would. And so we were just seeking God. And I was praying, Lord, what would would I name a church? If I'm actually going to do this, Lord, what would I name a church? And And I was honest. I said, Lord, the, the thing that is on my heart the most is that there would be, the Word of God would be at the emphasis. 
And that the word of God could be explained and proclaimed in such a way that people could learn about the word of God. That's my heart. That has always been my heart. That the word of God would be the focus because it has been such a blessing in my life. It's what holds me steady. And I know it's what holds all of God's people steady is the word of God. And so the name, the living word, I I wanted the word to come alive in our hearts. And so it was a simple choice when I felt like the Lord said, call it the living word. And I don't know if you remember, there was a song out at that time, kind of a chorus um, that talked that, and that was one of the phrases, living word. He is the living word, and I like that. And so we decided to call it the living word. But the meaning behind it is that the word of God is a place where the word is taught, that's green pastures. I believe you are here today in green pastures. I believe this is a place of green pastures. We don't emphasize a lot of fluff and, you know, hype, but we love the word of God. Green pastures, and those are some shaggy looking sheep. Green pastures, good, rich, fertile soil. And we all know what makes it fertile. (laughs) That's the truth, hey. Green pastures. Now, that kind of brings up a whole other issue. Church is a place where you will get offended. And if I haven't offended you, please be patient. I will get to you shortly. Now think about that just for a moment. It is true. And as I was studying and thinking about green pastures, I felt like the Lord said, tell the people, Don't leave green pastures for petty reasons. The enemy will think of a thousand reasons for you to leave. But it's a choice. And that's why I have to commend so many of you have been with us for so long. Thank you for overlooking But, you know, that to me is part of our relationship understanding. And that is overlooking wrongs, overlooking offenses, overlooking difficult offenses. It is a part of life. And if we can't learn to overlook offenses here, how can we ever learn to overlook faults outside the church? This is where we have practice. (laughs) Sometimes we get this imaginary, unrealistic idea that church is this wonderful, wonderful place where I will never be offended and people are always wonderful and sweet and nice and always act like Christians. It doesn't happen. We're just people. Just like every other place. But we're learning because of the Word of God 
because of green pastures, because we're studying and being fed in the Word, every day we should be changing. If you have been here for any length of time, I want to tell you, you should be changing. Why? Because the Word of God will change you. Learning the Word of God will cleanse you, it will purify you, it will change you. Why? Because every day, every week, we learn more about Him and His ways because His Word has that ability to do it in our life. And so, I just want you to understand that oftentimes for a shepherd to get someone to a green pastures, that shepherd might have to make you go through a difficult place. I mean, in the natural A shepherd's leading sheep, well, he might have to go through a desert to get to the green place, right? So don't be surprised when you go through difficult, hard places in your life in the process of God leading you to green pastures. How many of you had some difficult times getting your way here? (laughs) That's normal. It's okay. But once you get to green pastures, don't leave. Don't leave for petty reasons. You know, I thought back as I was preparing yesterday and began writing out some reasons why people left the church. Songs are too loud. Songs are too soft. Songs are too old. Songs are too new. I don't like the dress that lady wore last week. I don't like the way that guy said hello. I don't like the background you have behind the songs. I don't like anything on the screens. I don't like the lights. You you wouldn't believe all the crazy things that people have said. Somebody had been coming for a while and said, you unfriended me on Facebook and I'm I'm leaving this church. I didn't even know I did. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how to do that yet. <laughs> Sometimes I want to figure it out, but, you know, it's amazing, you know. Petty things, insignificant changes. At some point in your life, you have to learn the difference between what's major and what's minor. What's significant and insignificant. And focus on the significant. Now, church stops preaching the word of God. Start teaching some crazy thing. Leave. If I start preaching some heresy, get out of here. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Just simply saying, it doesn't matter whether it's me or whoever it is. You honor the word of God. Don't honor the person. So I just want to encourage you. When it says he leads us into green pastures. What does he say? Does he just lead you there? What does he tell you to do when you get there? Lie down. That kind of says stay. (laughs) Right? He leads me to lie down. I mean, stay a while. (laughs) Enjoy it. Let the word of God, and as so many times we said, be a part. 
Get in and be a part. Learn about some of these things that are happening. The Bible classes, get involved in the pumpkin patch and life groups and men's ministry and women's ministry and come on Wednesday night and get involved. Don't just stay on the peripheral edges and get the minimum. Dive in there as much as you can and learn to serve. That's the best way. So he leads me to lie down, to stay in green pastures and learn to overlook. I, I, I love this verse. My wife and I, we had a, we t- we're t- teaching through the book of Proverbs. Uh, and, and a couple of weeks ago, we hit this verse, Proverbs 19.11. Look at it. It says, sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. So we're thinking about that, and we're talking about it. My wife and I are on our way to church, and uh, we talk about this verse, overlooking wrongs. And my wife, bless her heart, she began to tell me how she was mad at somebody because they wouldn't overlook a certain problem or a fault that somebody had done. And they were, she said, I just can't, I'm not going to forgive them. I, I'm mad at them because they won't overlook that problem. And I wanted to pull over to the curb. And I said, sweetie, did you just hear yourself? You are doing exactly what you're mad at them for doing. And then we had a big laugh. She, you're right, I'm doing it Isn't that the way it is, though? The truth is right there in front of us, and sometimes we can miss it. And we're doing what we're mad at someone else for doing or not doing. That's why the Word of God is good for us. And if you just think about it, go back and read 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Seven, where love, love overlooks, bears with one another, keeps no record of wrongs suffered, patient, it's kind, not suspicious, always believes the best for people. You see, church is a place where we demonstrate love by overlooking and bearing with one another, and develop quick forgivers. You've got a liver, you need a forgiver. Okay? You got that, didn't you? No, you didn't get it? We all have a liver, an internal organ, so you, you've got... <laughs> My wife is saying, you know, that's... Okay, forget, forget I said anything about the liver. We all need to be quick forgivers, okay? <laughs> so I have a strange sense of humor sometimes, you know, that's the way it is. We need to be forgivers. And the quicker you can forgive. I, I've, I want to tell you, I've learned this about my, in my life. Life is simpler and better and more peaceful if I can forgive quickly. 
And, and just don't get bent out of shape over little things. I know some people, and they are always mad, upset, offended about something. It's like they thrive on it. I want to say they're miserable people. They don't have a forgiver. I didn't say, <laughs> I don't need to, I guess. Let's look at that last passage. He leads me, number three, he leads me beside still waters. Oh, I love this. And it wasn't just, he doesn't just lead me to water. He leads me beside still waters. Not just water. And I'm thinking in the natural, I'm thinking, okay, if you're thirsty, you need water. But he's saying more than just the thirst and the need for water. He leads me. To be beside still waters. And I was reading about sheep. Sheep are naturally restless, nervous creatures. And one thing they are deathly afraid of is water. And one reason they are deathly afraid of water is their wool coat. If they get in any kind of turbulent water of any kind, it doesn't take much for them to drown because they're, if you've ever had on a wool sweater, you know why. You get soaked and they become heavy and they drown easily because of that heavy wool coat. And it's interesting that he said, he leads you beside still waters. There's something about still waters that God wants to say to you. And that is that still waters speaks of safety and refuge. And, you know, a shepherd will try and find a hillside where the water has gathered kind of in a hole. We have a picture of that, what it would be like. It would kind of like that, you know, where all the water drains down. And that water is going to be still. It's going to be protected from the wind and the storm. And, and, and the water is it's, it's always going to kind of be still. It's not going to be turbulent. And that's a place where the sheep feel secure and safe. And I want to say that God is working in your life to bring you to a place of safety and refuge so he can do the next step in your life that we'll be talking about next week, and that is he wants to restore your soul. He wants to bring restoration in your life. But first, he, need to get you, he needs to get you to a place where you can have good green grass and be taught the Word of God, and he's going to bring you to a place of safety and refuge. And it's not turbulent. You know, you might have a turbulent home, where it's a battleground after another battleground, you need a place that's safe and secure where you can learn of Him and you can be restored. God leads you to a place of safety and refuge. And the next thing I see about still waters and that is still waters allow reflection. You can see yourself. 
It is a place where you see a mirror. We have a picture of what it would be like. Like a shepherd leading the sheep. But notice the reflection. It's interesting how shepherds will say that when the sheep can see their reflection, they're calmer. They're more at peace. And one of the reasons, at least spiritually speaking, I believe we need to be in a place spiritually where we can see ourselves. We can see who we really are. You see, if you're always in a place where you don't, you're never convicted, you're never challenged for who you really are, you don't ever see the conviction of sin that's in your life, if you don't ever really look at yourself in a mirror, how are you going to change? How are you going to come to know a Savior until you recognize your need of who, who you are? How are you going to come to know Him as your Savior unless you realize you are a sinner in need of God, that you are helpless, that you are without God, that you are in a helpless situation? The still waters is a place where you can see yourself. You can look into the Word of God and it can reflect. And you can see your heart and you can realize who you are and what you need. But you can also see God's glory reflected. They also see the reflection of the shepherd. And God wants you to be able to see not only who you are, but who the shepherd is. How he is such a good shepherd. It all starts with relationship. We began the series, the message today, talking about relationships. It is, what, it is what's on God's heart for you. And you, maybe you're one of those people that you've been taken advantage of. Maybe you've been beaten down. Maybe abused. But relationships have not been a good area for you. And I'm sorry that that's true in your life. But God cares about you. And he cares that you can learn to have good, healthy relationships in your life. And it all starts with having a health, healthy relationship with a loving God who cares about you. It's the beginning of everything. Jeremiah 17. The prophet Jeremiah nailed it when he showed us who we really are. God spoke through the prophet here in verse 9 and 10 and said this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. God is a God who tells us your heart is wicked. The world would try to say, you're okay. You're fine. No, you're not fine. Your heart is wicked. And unless you have a relationship with God by the precious blood of Jesus, you're in a mess. 
You're heading toward an eternal hell. That is the truth. And a loving God cared about you. He has always cared about you. I don't care how many people have abused you or taken advantage of you. God loves you. And He cares about you. And He sent His Son to die on a cross for you so that you can have the relationship that maybe you've never had with anybody else. Once you have a right relationship with Him, it sets you free to be able to love other people. You can love other people only when you've learned to love God and receive His love for you. Some people spend all their life struggling in relationships. And they can't quite figure out why. Because they always are looking for that individual who's going to meet their need. You will never find that individual. There is no such individual that will meet all of your needs. Only God will meet all of your needs. When you understand that, and He becomes your Lord, by the blood of Jesus, it sets you free. And you can forgive people when they hurt you. God cares about you. I struggle to tell you how much God cares about you. He is a loving God. And you know what? Difficult things happen in our life. When those difficult things happen, they hurt us. Then the enemy whispers in our ear, God doesn't really love you. God's not a good God. If he were a good God, he wouldn't have let that happen. And we struggle with that. I just want to tell you, I don't care what happens in this life. He is a good God. And he loves you and he cares about you. Once we get his perspective... And we understand His ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And His goals are far different than our goals. We tend to be selfish and thinking about what we want and what's on our heart and what we like. God is looking at a bigger perspective. Once you begin to get God's heart and you recognize He loves you. He loves you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Oh, Lord. Lord, I know you love us, Lord. I know it is your heart to have a relationship with every person in this room. To have a good relationship with every person. And Lord, I pray today for people in this room that have struggled with relationships. They struggled loving other people. They struggled trusting other people because they've been hurt or offended or taken advantage of maybe many times. And Lord, I pray that today, today, they would resolve the relationship with you so much so that it would set them free to love other people oh Lord loving God faithful God 
every person in this room that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that today they would give their heart to you, surrender to you, despite the disappointment, despite the hurts and the pain they have experienced, Lord, I pray that today they would come to know you as their shepherd. They would be able to say, I shall not want. They would be able to say, the Lord, he brings me to green pastures. He leads me beside still water so I can see my reflection. He puts me in a place of refuge and security so he can restore my soul. Lord, pray for individuals today. They would willingly give their heart to you. I'm going to ask each one of you to stand to your feet. We're going to sing this song. And then I'm going to make a call in just a moment that you would come and resolve that relationship issue that you have. Let's sing it. To your arms, I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your and ask you to make your way out of your chair come to him run to him if you want to restore and renew that relationship maybe you knew the Lord once but you got away from him and today you would be willing to say Lord I want to come back to you maybe you've never known him maybe you've never had that relationship but today you would say I want that relationship quickly come out of your chair come right down here I want to pray for you Spirit of God, draw the people of God who need you today, Lord, who need to resolve this relationship. Would you come? Would you come? Yes, thank you. Anybody, you want to resolve this? Maybe there have been doubts in your heart. You've wondered about some things and you've had doubts and fears. and Whatever it is, would you come today and say, I want to set this thing right. Would you come? Thank you, young lady. Yes, come on. Yes, thank you, young man. Anybody else? Let's settle it today. Some of you have had doubts about your salvation. Some of the things that you've done have caused you to say, I don't know if I'm saved or not. I want to tell you today, let's settle it. Let's settle it today and say, I don't want to worry about this. I want to know that I know him and he knows me and I'm one with him. Would you come today and settle this issue? of relationship thank you anybody else want to wait just a minute thank you for coming You're going to wait just a minute anybody else okay I want to say thank you for coming 
And I don't know exactly where you come from spiritually, but you know, it doesn't really matter. This is just a time to settle this issue of relationship. It all is by the blood of Jesus. So I just want to lead you in a prayer. Asking Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. Come into your heart. And here's the amazing thing, and that is He wants to do a spiritual miracle in your heart. Change your heart. And He actually does a transplant. He takes out your old heart and gives you a brand new heart. It's amazing. It's what God wants to do. Come on. Anybody else? Come on. Still time. There's still time. Anybody else? Okay, we're going to pray out loud. Let's disagree in prayer, okay? Pray out loud with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I give my heart to you, Lord. I accept the blood of Jesus as forgiveness of my sin. And I ask you to come into my heart, change me, make me a brand new person. I am forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Not because I deserve it, not because I can earn it, but because of your grace. I receive your grace, Lord. I receive the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come into my heart. Give me a new heart, a new life. Take out my old heart and give me a new one. I receive your Holy Spirit to live inside of me from this day forward. In the name of Jesus, I will never be the same. I will never be the same because you are taking over in my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for coming, every one of you. Thank you for coming and giving your heart. If you would, kind of go with Brother Freddie. He's going to kind of get a record of your decision. If you can, if you, if you have time, you can do that. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming in the house of the Lord. Don't forget about the pumpkin patch next week. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You are dismissed. Amen.